0: Welcome to Truth Unbound. I am Walter Swaim and we are back. Uh, Just to uh, fill you in on a personal note, the reason of the delay, I did post this on YouTube as a uh, written post, but um, we've had a little bit more happen since then. Here's what I mean by this is uh, about uh, a little over a week and a half or so ago, uh, my father-in-law passed away and it was a very difficult time for our family. And so uh, they live at a distance away from us. So we were traveling back and forth a lot. So it kind of disabled me from from doing the podcast. Uh, and it was time for me to concentrate on family first and on faith and all uh, our our needs together as a family, emotionally and spiritually. And and to be there for each other during that time. And then just as we got back from that, thinking we're in the clear, and I was about to record a podcast, um, uh, my wife uh, had a a medical episode, I will say, and we're still trying to figure that out. She's home, she's okay, uh, but it was one of those situations where I had to call 911, and uh, it was very, very scary. And so uh, we've been... We've been uh, distraught, I guess, with uh, loss of a a dear family member, kind of the patriarch of the family, if you will and also um, with uh, caring for my wife in that time, and I needed to dedicate my full time to to her. And so here we are once again, and I'm glad that we're back, but I knew we needed to do what we needed to do at that time, and I'm sure you understand that and can appreciate that. And I thank uh, many of you for your prayer prayers during this time and your thoughts toward uh, me and my family. But uh, here we are, we're back once again, and we're dipping into a series, if you will, that I'm taking from a sermon series that I've been preaching called "You Won't Believe It," but now it's, uh, in other words, it's an apologetics series, kind of what we do here at Truth Unbound. At Truth Unbound, we look at God's Word as we look at the things that are happening in our world, and the thoughts and the issues and the trends, and seeing how God's Word and His truth speak to that, and how we should respond as His followers and so we are uh in this series to answer some of the bigger questions that have come out recently there's so many uh but in recent times these are the key ones and one of those is this does science and faith or specifically christianity or christian faith oppose each other does science and faith have a conflict with each other that's the question we're asking today and we're going to answer that right away So hold on. Here we go right now. All right, here we are. And with today's question is, does science and faith, or specifically Christian faith, are they in conflict with each other? Do they oppose each other? Does science and faith have a conflict? And so we'll get into that in just a minute, real quickly. When we let me remind you, if you would please, to go ahead and uh, just click on like. Click on like, add on there all notifications so you get the latest on YouTube from this. And then if you're listening to this audio edition uh, in Podbean or your favorite uh, podcast app, then you could click on follow and follow the podcast. And then in either way, would you share this with others as well and get the word out? And let's get a reboot, if we will, here after the time of absence and uh, get the Truth uh, Unbound family together and see it expand so others can hear about Jesus, the God and God's truth, no matter what they're going through in life. All right, let's get to it right now. All right, so let me ask you, how many of you liked science in school? Do a shout out, if you would, in the, uh, in the reply area of this podcast. Did you like science? And did you like uh, chemistry class, biology class? You remember where some of us had to, you had to dissect an earthworm or a frog, or in some cases, even a baby piggy Okay, just saying. All right. Uh, how many of you really enjoyed that? Give me a shout out if you would there in the reply and comment section of the podcast. Um, I, uh, I kind of liked it and I kind of didn't. Uh, it was kind of average. It didn't make great games. What about Science Fair, though? Do you remember Science Fair? So you have science fair and where you had to put up the poster board, the three-panel poster board and pictures. And and you had to do more than just show pictures and words. You had to show a little experiment or something like that to prove what you were trying to do or what you were trying to experiment with. So science fair. I was, I, It was interesting to me, but it wasn't. Um, yeah, okay. So I was one of those who waited to the last minute. I'll admit it. Okay. Like many of you did uh, or told your parents, uh, mom, dad, I've got my science fair project due tomorrow. And then everybody scrambles to whatever store to get the supplies to do whatever idea you just came up with at the last minute. So anyway, so Science Fair and science. And so give me a shout out as well in the reply comment section of the podcast, uh, telling us what Science Fair project you did and how it came out. All right. Well, here's the theory, uh, the statement, the declarative statement that is made often today. And that is that science has disproven God and the Bible. And especially if you believe in science, then there's no way you can believe in God. You must become an atheist, or at best, an agnostic. You can be a Christian and understand those things and believe in creationism and all those things and be a scientist as well. Many a believer, many a young believer has gone off to college or to university and come back within the first semester, if not the first year, having very big doubts about their faith, God, and the Bible, Um, And that uh, Christianity hates science and and then they they end up turning against or become atheist or agnostic or indifferent and are no longer plugged in with their faith anymore. I myself, I like science a lot. I'm a fan. I mean, look at it. Science has made life way easier for us through the years. For instance, think of the many chemicals alone we use daily for cleaning, for fuel, uh, even in medical science, uh, medications, um, methods that bring healing using certain types of chemicals, all these things. What about the machines we use on a daily basis, our computers, our laptops, our phones, planes, trains, and automobiles, Uh, the dishwasher, (laughs) Call of Duty, lightsabers? (laughs) I'm a fan, all right? And I think we all are to some degree or another, because science has done so much for us. It's produced so many good things that we use every day. And using the resources uh, God has given us in uh, in in our world, in the world that He's given to us to take care of and to be stewards of. So, why the problem today of this conflict that's been, I think, conjured up between science and faith? Today, a lot of it, though, really comes into conflict because many believers have reservations about the idea of global warming, or they switched it to climate change, which was a marketing ploy. Uh, but anyway, moving ahead, the COVID vaccine, if you had a religious exemption, there are still battles going on today in the courts. For those who are put down religious, they have sincerely held uh, religious beliefs to keep them from take partaking of the vaccine, and uh, that's being rejected roundly, and a lot of those are Christians. And of course, the mother of all conflicts, if you will, between science and faith is evolution. Evolutionism versus creationism. So many, especially in this area of evolution, many scientists uh, will um, malign other scientists for doubting evolution. Even controlling the career success of other up-and-coming scientists, because they don't necessarily hold to an evolutionary mindset, and so they suppress their success, if you will. Um, And along the way, they're saying that faith has been disproven uh, by science, that Christianity itself and creationism have been disproven soundly by scientific evidence and proof. But remember this one thing, always, and we'll come back to this again, science doesn't say anything. You hear that a lot. Well, science says, we're just going with the science. We heard that so much during the COVID outbreak for between 2020 and 2021. Science says, well, science doesn't say anything. Scientists do. And scientists are subject to the same biases that the rest of us are. But let's move ahead. For instance, in a 2010 interview with Diane Sawyer, physicist Stephen Hawking Replying to this question, is it possible to bring religion and science together? Um, this is what he said, and we'll put in the, the, the links to any of these quotations that we bring today from these, uh, these different scientists. He said this, there is a fundamental difference between religion, which is based on authority and science, which is based on observation and reason. Science will win because it works. Well-known evolutionary biologist and atheist Richard Dawkins wrote this in the 1976 book, The Selfish Gene. Faith cannot move mountains, though generations of children are solemnly told the contrary and believe it, but it is capable of driving people to such dangerous folly that faith seems to me to qualify as a kind of mental illness." He also said this in a lecture in 1992 in Edinburgh. Faith is the great cop-out, the great excuse to evade the need to think and evaluate evidence. Faith is the belief in spite of, even perhaps because of, the lack of evidence. And the latest salvo of atheist attacks on Christianity assumes that, uh, well, that faith is blind Richard Dawkins, again, for instance, wrote this, Faith is an evil precisely because it requires no justification and brooks no argument. The late uh, atheist Christian uh, Christopher Hitchens wrote this, Faith is the surrender of the mind. It's the surrender of reason. It's the surrender of the only thing that makes us different from other mammals. Now, neuroscientist, philosopher, and author Sam Harris penned these words in his book, The End of Faith. We have names for people who have many beliefs for which there is no rational justification. When their beliefs are extremely common, we call them religious. Otherwise, they are likely to be called mad, psychotic, or delusional. And then he continues later saying, Clearly there is sanity in numbers and yet it is merely an accident of history that it is considered normal in our society to believe that the creator of the universe can hear your thoughts while it is demonstrative of mental illness to believe that he is communicating with you by having the rain tap in morse code on your bedroom window and so while religious people are not generally mad their core beliefs absolutely are. So there you have it from, them, from some of the leading scientists and philosophers that are atheists, outright and boldly so and proudly so, and are showing how faith and Christianity specifically and religion in general have no use in the science lab. So let's ask the big question again. Is Christianity really against scientific research and study? Does Christianity deny science itself? Well, let's step back and understand what the two types of science are. There's observational science, which uses repeatable testing to discover what is true about something. Historical science is the other type of science, and it looks at the relics from the past and makes assumptions of what was true of things back then even though we weren't there to witness what happened. But again, observational science is not bad. For instance, think of the CSI, crime scene investigators. They use the evidence after a crime's been committed and draw conclusions as to what possibly happened. And then lawyers try to convince everyone what their conclusions are, uh, the best answer as to what happened as well. If If we weren't there at the time of creation, how can we disprove it? Or, to be fair, prove it as well? Well, we would need a credible eyewitness from that time who, who tells us in, in written form what truly happened. Now, for us, we understand and know we have that eyewitness, and that eyewitness is God. This is what he says in the book of Romans, chapter 1, verses 18 through 20. even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. So what do these verses tell us about God and creation and ourselves? Well, first he's telling us here there is inner evidence in every human being. Even in sinful human beings, there's still that sliver of an awareness of God in some way, but we suppress it in our sinfulness. He also describes the outer evidence— creation itself. It reveals even that there is a pow- all-powerful God and that we are to be connected to him. But we not only need a wit eyewitness, we need a trustworthy eyewitness. And in the Bible, there are 40 of them over a period of 1,500 years who wrote down their eyewitness experiences. Look at the book of Genesis, first of all, in God's Word, and that book, in many points of it, especially in the creation story and shortly after, were affirmed by Jesus Christ, the Son of God himself, Creator God himself. He told us while his, in his time here on earth, he affirmed at different points, repeating as truth, as literal truth, what happened in Genesis. So why do so many scientists in our world today reject God and creationism in particular? Well, they reject God well because they can and they're disposed to do so and that's no surprise because the bible tells us we suppress the truth and righteousness as we just read it tells us that we are all sinners that we've all sinned and come short of the glory of god as it says in romans 323 so it's no should be no surprise to us that, that that opinion is a majority opinion in our world today but there's a second thing that is the reason why so many scientists in particular reject god and faith for instance it's it's revealed to us in second peter chapter three verses one through nine peter says beloved i now write to you this second epistle and in both of which i stir up your pure minds by way of reminder that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles, of the Lord and Savior. Knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lusts, and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? Now listen to this. For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this they willingly, willfully forget that by the word of God, the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of water and in the water by which the world that then existed perished, being flooded with water. But the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Now, the second reason why scientists, so many do, reject God and faith is because of what it says in this Second Peter chapter 3, verse 4, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. We would call this today uniformitarianism. In other words, everything, all the laws, natural laws, are exactly they they were as they were at the very beginning. Now, it says in the verse, since creation, so that we understand this as believers, what they're talking about, uh, the, the starting point. But in science, uh, the best starting point that they have is the Big Bang Theory. Uh, but nevertheless, they're saying. Nevertheless, uh, scient- scientists are saying and reject God because well, everything, all natural laws are exactly the way they are since forever before. But is it true that every natural law has always worked the same way since creation? Yes, and no. The reason is is that there are two events that radically changed several of the natural processes or laws. The first event is the fall of mankind, sin being committed for the first time. For instance, in Romans chapter 8, verses 19 through 22, it says, "...for the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope." because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. And so as it describes here, the the curse of, of sin and death on mankind not only affected the soul and the eternal destiny And judgment on and put judgment on mankind, but also his sin has affected all of creation. It reverberated, its byproduct, its consequence not only affected the soul of human beings, but also affected the motion and the working of all creation of the universe, even. The second event that changed the way some natural laws uh, altered them. From where the way from the way they worked uh, at creation, they changed at the flood or after the flood, the worldwide flood that the Bible talks about in Genesis six through eight. So what Peter is telling us here in Second Peter chapter three verse four is that not all things are the same since creation; that the flood occurred and altered some of these things from occurring the way they used to before the flood. From creation to the flood but from flood from the flood on to our present day some things were altered and changed as to how they worked and so the question may be presented this way why is there a conflict between science and faith or science and the bible there isn't a conflict and what peter just showed us and what the word of god shows us reveals to us that there is no conflict in fact it better explains the dilemma that's presented You see, in reality, the conflict isn't with science and faith, it's with scientists and their presupposed belief about God. It is a conflict of two different worldviews, a biblical worldview or a worldly worldview. Now, modern science began with and was shaped by Christian creationists, such as Isaac Newton, Copernicus, Galileo, Kepler, The astronomer and mathematician, Francis Bacon, who invented the scientific method, George Washington Carver, the agricultural scientist, Samuel Morse, who invented the telegraph and the Morse code, Luis Pasteur, the chemist, the pasteurization process, and even Wilbur and Orville Wright, who did the first powered flight. Faith in God drove these men to study and explore God's glory, which is found in his creation. And even here in our local town in Houston, at Rice University, well-known, renowned, world-renowned chemist and nanotechnologist, Dr. James M. Tour, wrote this in one of his documents in 2019. And again, we'll give you the link to this. Based upon my faith in the biblical text, I do believe Yes, faith and belief go beyond scientific evidence for this scientist that God created the heavens and the earth and all that dwell therein, including a man named Adam and a woman named Eve. As a scientist and a Christian, Messianic Jew, I am unsure of many things in both science and faith, but my many questions are not fundamental to my salvation. Salvation is based upon the finished work of Jesus Christ— Yeshua, the Messiah, my confession in him as Savior, and my belief in his physical resurrection from the dead. Indeed, the physical resurrection is an atypical example where God works beyond the normally observed physical laws of science in order to accomplish his purposes. Therefore, it's called a miracle. And thanks be to God for his indescribable gift." Amen to that, Dr. Tour, And you know, there are many like him, not only in our country, but across this world, that believe in Jesus, that have faith in God, and believe that he created the world. You see, there is no conflict between science and the Bible. In fact, science is the study of God's glory and his handiwork. Let me ask you, do you know Jesus Christ, your creator, as Lord and Savior? The Bible tells us that we're separated from God because of our sin, because of our wrongdoing, but that Jesus Christ, God himself came, became a human being, born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, took your punishment and your sin on the cross upon himself, and then rose literally from the dead so that you and I could be free and forgiven from our sin and could have eternal life in heaven with God. Would you receive his gift today? You may ask, well, how do I do that? Well, the Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So call on him. Simply tell him, Jesus, I, I fall before you. I'm a sinner. I get it. You died for me. You rose again from the dead for me, and I believe in you and what you did for me. Come into my life, save me. I'm yours, I follow you, and my trust is in you from now on. Would you do that today? And if you do, let us know, and we may be able to help you in some way to go forward in your faith, take the next steps, and find a good Bible teaching church. Well, thank you again for listening. I hope this has helped in some way. It's a huge subject, could take hours to talk about uh, and to put together, but we wanted to put this together in a short form and just to be of help to help you discern this. Maybe you're going into a college, a university class, or you're going into a course at work where these things uh, will be questioned. And so you're looking for solid answers and responses. Well, this is it. So I hope we've helped a little bit. Again, hit click on like, make sure to follow the podcast and share it with everyone you can. And remember to follow Jesus because when you follow him, you'll always follow the truth.